This Tuesday, January 2nd, NBA betting picks edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, January the 2nd, currently 11.05 on the East Coast, here to get into our betting picks for the NBA schedule on Tuesday night. Joining me for the first episode between Scott and I, at least, for the 2024 year, Scott Studio, right? Shell Scott, what's going on, my man? How you doing? Yeah, nothing much. Looking forward to the games today. Pretty interesting card on Monday, uh, so we can talk about that briefly. But can't complain. Decent amount of games. I'm sure a lot of us were busy watching the college football playoff yesterday. Two solid games, so can't complain. Pretty fun New Year's Day, and hopefully uh, the sports continue to be entertaining on the second. Yeah, uh, last night NBA, um, pretty eventful, I think. That I know we had an early game between the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New York Knicks. Knicks uh, took care of business in that game, which I believe it was the first game for OG Ananobi uh, as a member of the New York Knicks post-trade. They do get the victory in Madison Square Garden, 112-106. Kind of going around the league as well. A lot of blowouts last night. Um, I think every game except for, I think, three games were outside of 15-plus points last night. Um, the close game, the Raptors get the victory as well over the Cavs, 124-121. And then the Pacers uh, go into Milwaukee and get the victory there as well, 122-113. But outside of that, pretty much blowouts across the association. Um, what stuck out to you last night here, Scott, in the association? Well, I think we got to start off with the Milwaukee and Indiana game uh, because we know the mm-hmm. last time they faced off, Giannis may or may not have gotten the game ball. Uh, but he had 60-plus points. Indiana, though, 3-1 and one against Milwaukee. So they've had Milwaukee's number. Solid mm-hmm. job by them to win a pretty tough road game. And you saw Halliburton finish one rebound away from another triple-double. So I want to start off with Indiana. Props to them for getting the job done. Besides that, you had the Knicks and the Raptors both winning in their first games uh, after the trade. You saw yep. Ananobi play a bunch of minutes, and the Knicks looked pretty good. Brunson shot horribly, but he had 14 assists, and I believe Randall at 39 points. So a nice win there for the Knicks. And as for Toronto, I know Cleveland's not very good, but a win's a win, and quickly and Barrett looked okay in their debuts. So shout-out to them. Uh, you saw the Pistons start another losing streak so far as they lost their first game after beating Toronto as they mm-hmm. got buried by Houston. And besides that, really not much else. Jordan Clarkson had a triple-double off the bench, which I don't think anybody saw coming, and now it was a... Pretty historic triple-double because that was the first time that's happened for a Utah Jazz player since, I believe, 2000, and it was either 8 or 9. It's been a long time since there's been a guy with a triple-double, so shout-out to Jordan Mm -hmm. Clarkson for doing that. Uh, Besides that, you said there were a lot of blowouts. You were not wrong. Uh, A lot of games were decided by double digits, but uh, once again, the Clarkson triple-double was kind of shocking. Indiana winning was impressive, and it was nice seeing Ananobi and quickly and Barrett playing in their new uh, environments and I thought they all looked pretty good. Yeah, um, I think that yeah, obviously the highlight of the night or the game of the night probably was like you mentioned the Pacers and the Bucks and yeah, I mean you mentioned the 
the Pacers just have the number this season, at least for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, so again, they went in the Milwaukee, got the victory there. Good for them. I think that's a good victory for them. I know they were struggling a little bit coming out of uh, the in-season tournament final, but it seems like they've turned it around. Um, I know a lot of games of theirs were flying over the total, but it seems like there's been at least some type of emphasis on the defensive side of the foot- uh, football for the uh side of the basketball for the Indiana Pacers. So, um, and again, if they want to be a, I guess a playoff team, not even a contender, but a playoff team, uh, they're going to have to play some type of defense and holding the bucks last night to 113 points where that total was North of, I think close around 260 and a half, 261 last night between those two teams. Um, it, it was a breath of fresh air. If you are a Indiana Pacers fan, um, yeah, I think that was pretty much it from last night for me as well. I think we might have to go back to continue fading the Pistons again. Um, you know, after they broke their losing streak to the uh, Toronto Raptors, like you mentioned there. But anything else from last night? No, not really. I was trying to think of anything else, but for the most part, I don't really have much else. The Suns have played better, but they played Portland. So that doesn't really count. So I don't really know if I can read into that too much. But yeah, you yeah. mentioned a lot of one sided games, and that's true. But it was nice to see some action, uh, especially, you know, after just the new year. So it was cool to see some NBA games. Uh, I like how mm-hmm. they spaced it out. I don't know anybody yeah. that was actually watching the NBA games during the college football playoff, but I did like how they had a game or two that started at like three. I think the Timberwolves mm-hmm. game started at three. So I actually didn't yeah. mind the way that they staggered out the schedule, but I think everybody was watching college football anyway. So I don't think anybody actually, most people watched the games unless you had money on it late at like seven o'clock, for example. Yeah, I think that if I told you, talking about a Phoenix game, Kevin Durant was ruled out uh, early in the day. Um, and if I told you Devin Booker in that game had only scored 10 points against Portland, we probably would sit here thinking that the uh, Suns lost that game. But shout out to Bradley Beal. He scored 21 last night for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Nurkic shipped in with 18. Uh, Metu shipped in with 14. All five starters for the Phoenix Suns were in uh, double figures last night. Uh, Bobo getting uh, rotation minutes now for the Phoenix Suns. He had 20 minutes last night, uh, had 11 points off of the bench, and Eric Gordon off the bench as well, 20 minutes, had 12 points as well. So hopefully the Phoenix Suns are able to turn it around here um, and start winning some ball games. All right, Scott, let's get into the schedule here for tonight, man. Uh, got about, I think, what, six or seven games on the uh, schedule here tonight. So let's dive right into it. The first game on the board will go to the Chicago Bulls. They are... Visiting the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, Sixers are a 10.5-point favorite in this game with a total of 223.5. Looking at the injury report for the Chicago Bulls, Torrey Craig is going to be out and Nikola Vucevic is going to be out as well. We already know that Zach Levine is missing time uh, for the Chicago Bulls. For the Sixers, uh, Joel Embiid does return here tonight for them and DeAnthony Milton is out for this game as well. But other than that, pretty healthy squad here for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Scott, let's start with the side here. Minus 10.5 in favor of the uh, sorry in favor of the Philadelphia 76ers hosting the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I think I have to lean to Chicago in this game. Chicago's actually done well against Philly this season, as Chicago has been undefeated. They actually won each of the first two meetings outright. Now they're getting 10.5. Yes, the second meeting did involve, uh, I believe Embiid did play in both games. I know for a fact he played in the first one, uh, which Chicago won in Philly. Uh, I'm trying to remember if he played in the second one or not. I'm just quickly pulling that up. Find it. Uh, I'm going through the game log. No, so he did not play in the second meeting, which Chicago won by 13, but he did play in the first meeting, and Chicago won that game anyway. I'm going to lead Chicago. 
I, I just think that once again, based on what I've seen in the first two meetings, Chicago is not going to be intimidated by Embiid. They're going to be able to at least try to hang in there. And Embiid's playing his first game in about a week and change. So there might be a little bit of rust involved. Embiid, I'm not saying he's going to avoid scoring 35 or 40. He might score that anyway. But the fact is, if you have not won a single game outright, and now you're laying 10 and a half in the third meeting, I'm not going to pick you to cover the third game by 11 plus points. Now you can, but I just feel more comfortable taking the team that I've seen look kind of undervalued in the first two meetings. So I'm going to link to Chicago. I do think Embiid will look fine, but maybe he'll look a bit rusty. We'll see. I know Vucevic is still out, but Drummond's actually been really good uh, in Vucevic's absence. He's had a couple of huge rebound games. He might be in the foul trouble uh, for, you know, a decent portion of this game, but still, I think I'm going to link to Chicago. I I just think 10 and a half is too many points. I think that Philly might find a way to win the game. I'm not saying Chicago's going to win outright, but I do think Chicago can do enough to not embarrass themselves out there. Give me Philly by five. I think it's a close game. I think Chicago hangs in there, but I think Philly probably wins the game. Uh, the Bulls, I'm oh, sorry, is going to mention eight and two against the spread over their last 10 games. So I think that's no shock to us just because we mentioned that this team, ever since they quote unquote designated injury to Zach Levine, has been playing a lot better basketball. Um, I'm leaning here with, yeah, I'll lean with the Bulls here as well. Doesn't it just feel like a massive spread with a guy who hasn't played in two weeks kind of carrying your entire team? Yeah, and I'm intrigued about the matchup between um, Andre Dermott and Joel Embiid. I mean, you mentioned that he possibly or will get into foul trouble because he's been starting um, for the uh, Chicago Bulls over the last, what, three games. Uh, He's had four fouls in four straight games, I should say. He played one game against the... Cleveland uh, Cavaliers back on December 23rd, and he played 13 minutes in that game, had four fouls in that game. So I think it'll be a tough uh, task for Drummond to stay out of foul trouble. But if he's able to stay out of foul trouble, I think that he can give some type of fits to uh, Joel Embiid. So um, I'll I'll lean here with the Bulls here um, as well. Total sitting at 223 and a half here, Scott. Any thoughts on the total? Yeah, I think I'm going to trust, once again, what I've seen in the first two meetings. I'm going to go with the under. Uh, each of the first two meetings did a land uh, below 213. First meeting with Embiid did a land 212, and I believe Embiid's still at 40 in that game. So I do think that the under is worth consideration, especially based on how the first two meetings went. So I'll lean under. Yeah, I think that, again, with Drummond in there now, I think that those will limit the second-chance opportunities for the Philadelphia 76 as well. Again, like we mentioned, the key is going to be that if he's able to stay out of foul trouble, um, you know, this these two teams don't really play at a higher pace. And even when Joel Embiid wasn't in the lineup, um, you know, with the ankle injury that he had a couple of games off there for, the Sixers weren't, number one, very efficient on the offensive end, and then they weren't also playing at a very high pace either. So uh, typically when I'm looking at overs, it's like, okay, number one, how fast are these teams playing? And number two, you know, are they efficient on the offensive side of the basketball? And they just haven't been uh, in the absence. Obviously, that's going to change with Joel Embiid back because, you know, he's he's just been a monster this season, having a better, even better year uh, than he did when he won the MVP last year. But you take a look at the pace numbers over the last five games, uh, Philly, third slowest pace, Chicago, dead last in pace as well. Um, and then on the offensive uh, efficiency side, uh, Chicago ranks third worst of the last five games and Philly is number 13. So I'm with you on the under here at 223 and a half player props. Scott, what are you looking at? 
Yeah, I think for this game, I know a lot of people will be on Embiid. I'm probably not going to be because I just want to see him play in his first game post-injury. So I feel yeah. like if you're taking his point total at, what's that, like 34 and a half, something kind of absurd. I, I don't think I can yeah. actually go to the window with that. Yeah. I think if I was going to take Embiid to have a big game, I might consider maybe pivoting to a drum and under if you think foul trouble is going to be a big reason for that. Because if Embiid's scoring 35 to 40, he's probably going to the line, what, like, 15 something times like give yeah. or take. So mm -hmm. that's probably going to result in foul trouble for Drummond. I do think if Chicago is going to stay competitive though, I feel like I kind of need something on Kobe white. The thing is, I'm not sure what I should be taking uh, going through his last couple of games. Kobe white rebounds and assists at nine and a half. I think it's worth being the play for the over. Uh, he's going over in nine of the last 10 and he's done quite well. Even in the last 20, we know that Kobe white has been the main guy who stepped up since Zach Levine ended up getting injured, quote-unquote. But he has gone over this number in 14 of his last... What is that? 14 of his last six... Uh, sorry, 14 of his last 15 games he's gone over. So if you're going over any prop in 14 out of 15 and the injury report doesn't completely change on you, I'm going to keep riding what works. And Kobe White, once again, has just gone over this number regularly. Give me Kobe White over nine and a half rebounds and assists. Yeah, I like that as well. I was looking at just his rebounds. I mean, it's juiced at minus 150, though, but it is at four and a half. Uh, both matchups this season against the Sixers. He's had eight rebounds each in those games. And like you mentioned, he's been crushing it, uh, filling up the box score with both rebounds and assists as well. So the number feels a little bit spot on at four and a half. But if you want to put that like in the same game parlay, I don't hate that. Uh, he's had at least uh, five rebounds in four of the last five uh, regular season games. And like I mentioned, against the Sixers, averaging uh, eight rebounds exactly and had eight, re eight rebounds exactly in both of the matchups thus far this season against the Sixers. So I uh, don't hate that for Kobe White. Joel Embiid's at 34 and a half points at minus 135. I mean, the number makes sense, obviously, because Joel Embiid just walks in there and, and you go score 36, 37, 38, 39, 40 points in a game. But I mean, like Scott mentioned, I'm, I'm with him on. I want to see how Joel Embiid looks out, uh, looks um, being out there after missing, you know, X amount of games, especially with an ankle injury. So uh, we'll keep an eye on, on how Joel Embiid if does uh, in this game. Uh, anything else for this game, or Scott? No, not really. Once again, with the injuries, I just feel like it's better to maybe wait and see, maybe jump in a live play. We'll see how Maxi looks. But either way, I think that's basically it. I'll just lean to Chicago and I'll lean to the under. All right. Before we get over to the next game of the night, let me tell everyone about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. Stay tuned at the end of the episode. Scott and I will put together our Underdog Fantasy entry for today's show. So you can watch long, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And when you sign up with promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy using promo code SGPN. All right, Scott, let's get over to the next game on the schedule for this Tuesday card. We'll go over to the game between the, uh, maybe the game of the night here. The Boston Celtics, they are traveling to Oklahoma City to take on the Thunder. Currently, the Celtics are sitting as a four-point favorite in this game with a total of 240. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, start here with the Boston Celtics. Pretty clean injury report. Everybody is a go in this game, and same thing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Nobody of significance uh, is on there. Both teams have just have guys that are on G League assignments or two-way contracts. So 
Healthy squads here for both of these teams. Celtics right now laying four in OKC here. Scott, what do you think about this game? I think it's going to be a very fun game. Uh, I think this might be a must-watch TV game if you're interested in the NBA because I just think this is a very interesting matchup between these teams. OKC is a very fun team, very solid team in the West, but they really struggle actually stopping teams from getting to the paint, and that's kind of the main flaw of this team. Yes, I know Chet does have a lot of blocks. He can rim protect, but that's really the only rim protection they have on the entire team. And Boston can come at you in waves when it comes to going to the basket. So I understand why Boston's favored in this game. I think I'm still going to lean to OKC in this one. I just trust them at home getting four points. It feels pretty large. I know Boston's at full strength, which has been an issue for this team for pretty much the last couple of weeks. Just battling some injuries here and there. Uh, Hingis Pingus is healthy, so that's a good sign. Uh, yep. But I do think look at this overall matchup. I understand why Boston's favored, but I'm going to lean to OKC at home. They've been playing good basketball lately. I do think that Shea, you can argue, is the best player on the court between maybe him and Tatum. Uh, you can make yeah. an argument that Shea can definitely match Tatum, and I'm not sure if uh, Drew or company's up to actually guard him. We'll see what happens, but I think I am in a lean thunder, plus four. I think it's a very fun matchup, though. Just a matchup that I just feel like is going to teach you a lot about these two teams, so mm -hmm. I'll be watching it, and it should be fun. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely the game of the night here. Um, Boston this season started off really struggling against a spread on the road, but they have actually won four straight and covered four straight on the road here. Uh, I mean, they they beat the, they beat the Kings. I'm not sure if De'Aaron Fox played in that game or not. They beat the Clippers, they beat the Lakers, and they beat the Spurs. Um, Fox, Fox did play in that game. That was the game okay. the Celtics choked against the Warriors, and they benched half the team, and they still blew out the Kings. Okay. Um, so I think that for me, when any time I've, I've, at least over the last two seasons, is that Thunder have just been so good at home. Um, I think they have, last time I did the pod uh, last week, I did mention that Thunder were the best team against the spread uh, thus far this season. But in particular, since last season at home, they're 37 and 22 straight up and 37 and 22 against the spread. So if they're winning the game, um, <coughs> excuse me, they are covering the spread as well. Um, just this season alone for the OKC Thunder at home, 13 and five straight up, 13 and five against the spread. So I think this is going to be a good challenge, like you mentioned, for this OKC Thunder team. Um, I mean, you nailed it. Like the concern is going to be rim protection for the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. But with healthy squad, obviously for both teams, but I just feel like this is a good spot here. I like it here for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So plus the four for me here as well. Uh, obviously going to uh, put some pizza money or actually be not pizza money, but just put some money on the money line here as well. And they've had some impressive victories at home this season as well. I mean, take a look at the last three games. They beat the Minnesota Timberwolves in blowout fashion. They beat the Knicks. They beat the Nets. And they're putting up the points at home as well. So I do like OKC plus the four here on the spread. Total is sitting at 240 in this game here. Scott, what are you thinking about that? Uh, I, I think I have to lean over uh, just based on how these teams have played offense. But can I see a world where both teams, at least for a quarter, maybe settle in defensively? Maybe, but I think I'm going to lean to the over in this game. Both teams have been very good offensively lately, and I do know that both teams have a lot of offensive firepower. Uh, Boston has scored at least 120 points in the one, two, three, four, five, in seven straight games. Uh, they've scored at least 128 in five of their last six. 
I think I have to lean over uh, based on how Boston's been playing. But yeah. I don't have like a strong opinion, like it's automatically going to go over the total. But I'm not going to take the under based on how both teams have played offensively over the last couple of weeks. So I'll lean over in the game. Yeah, uh, the Thunder at home this season, 11-6-1 towards the over. That's about 60, 64.7%. And typically, anytime I do bet an under with involving the Boston Celtics, it typically flies over the total. But just put in the context, uh, on the road this season, 9-7 uh, are the Celtics um, towards the over, 56%. Um and then just, just in general this season, the Celtics are 18 and 14 towards the over. So I don't think maybe first half we see some points and maybe the, the defensive screws uh, tighten up a little bit in the second half. But I do like the over in this game. I think this will be one of the higher scoring games here tonight for sure. Player prop, Scott, what are you looking at? Well, you know that I'm a proud member of the Derek White fan club. So I'll go back yes. to him at over 16 and a half. The total just feels a bit low to me, especially since he's gone over this number in eight of the last 10 games. He's also gone over in. 12 of the last uh, 14 games. So White's been a machine recently, and I do acknowledge that you might get less shot attempts with Tatum and Brown in the lineup, but he's been so efficient, and he's definitely a guy who's earned a lot of trust from the coaching staff. So White will be on the court for a large portion of this game, and he's just really, really good at basketball. So I'll take White over his 16.5. The line feels a bit too short to me. Yeah, I think this is going to be a game I think where where Shea has a big game as well. Obviously, um th- the number is at 32 and a half, but well, he's going to need to uh, if the Thunder have a shot to win the game. Yeah. So. Um for the last 5 games he's gone over this number for the Thunder. Did fall a little bit short against the Nets, but that I think that was in a blowout where he only played, I mean he played 35 minutes, but uh the team uh, really it was a team win there. He didn't have to do the bulk of the scoring, but Against Denver, he had 40, 36 against the Knicks, 34 against the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, 34 against the Lakers at home this season, averaging 34.3 points as well. So um, I think there's a good spot here for uh, SGA to get over his number. Um, are you back on Chet's blocks? Uh, he screwed me so many times on those on that <laughs> prop. But, I mean, he's been good at it. I, the Boston's a team, though, that's pretty difficult to actually take blocks against because of how they stretch the floor. Uh, mm-hmm. With either Horford, who I still think can't shoot, but people think he can shoot, so they guard him on the perimeter. And Porzingis, who is mostly you know a jump shooter who can occasionally go to the rim. I think I'm going to stay away from Chet Blocks in this game just okay. solely because of how Boston centers operate. All they do is stretch the floor, so they're going to drag Chet away from the basket. So I think I'm going to stay away from Chet Blocks in this game. If I wanted to consider Blocks, maybe I'd take Dort, because Dort's actually had pretty good block numbers recently. And to go through those, uh, Dort is currently plus 125 to get a block, and he's had a block in eight of the last 10 games. So I think Dort block might make some sense, but Boston, I believe, is allowing the fewest blocks per game. So I think for the most part, I'm going to stay away from Chet, because with the way, once again, that Porzingis and Horford get their shots, the majority of the time, that's going to result in less block opportunities for Chet. So I think I'm going to pivot off of Chet blocks, maybe Dort blocks, because because uh, we know that Tatum and Brown do love to attack the basket a lot. So yeah. I think that's my pivot. I'd consider Dort blocks at plus money, but Chet, no, I think I'm going to stay away from. All right. Uh, let's get over to... Oh, before we get over to the next game, uh, let me tell uh, people and our listeners on how they can get out to some of these games. That's going to be with game time. Um, game time takes away the stress of uh, that ticket buying experience. And 
You don't want to be stressed out when you're looking for tickets. Don't you want to get excited for the events that you want to get out to, whether it's a basketball game, uh, whether I mean, whether it's a sporting event, whether it's a, a music concert, whether it's a comedy show, whether it's a theater near you. Uh, game time takes all that stress away. They also have killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. Their app is so easy uh, to use. They have flash deals and last-minute tickets, like I mentioned, and it's easy to find and buy tickets for every type of event in your area, not just sports. You also get images of your seat uh, view before you actually purchase those tickets and the lowest price guarantee. They have event cancellation protection as well. So forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day event. Get exclusive flash deals as well on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are in their prices. Get images of your seat, like I mentioned, before you actually buy them so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive to the venue. And you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're all set to go. And the tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you don't have to haggle through your email box or wait for them in the mailbox to come in. Nope, sent directly to your phone. So download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And Ross, we're brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort our players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit HOFBets.com and use promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. All right, Scott, let's get over to the next game on the schedule for tonight. We'll go over to the game between the San Antonio Spurs. They are in Memphis here tonight to take on the Grizzlies. Grizzlies currently sitting as an 11-point favorite in this game with a total of 235.5. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams for the San Antonio Spurs, uh, Zach Collins is going to be out for this game, and Keldon Johnson is questionable, sorry, probable for uh, the game here tonight. For the Memphis Grizzlies, the usual suspects are out. Uh, Brandon Clark um, dealing with the left Achilles tendon should be returning uh, fairly soon here for the Memphis Grizzlies. We already know about Steven Adams missing the rest of the season, uh, and that is pretty much it. Um, Scott, minus 11 in favor of the Grizzlies here hosting the San Antonio Spurs. What are you thinking about the spread? So I know it's going to sound like a massive spread because the Grizzlies, of course, only have 10 wins. They're 10 and 22, and they're laying a massive number. I hate the Spurs team so much. It's well documented. This team's awful. Uh, Once again, they're thankful the Pistons exist because nobody talks about how bad this team is. Uh, But I'm going to lean to Memphis, actually, in the spot. I know Memphis has had a recent, I don't want to say slump, but they've lost three straight to good teams, though, losing to the Nuggets, the Clippers, and the Kings. That's three playoff teams, so I'm not going to overreact to it. They have a much easier opponent in this one. A lot of people probably be on the Spurs in this game just because of how big the spread is, but I just refuse to to actually put money on the Spurs. I I can't do it. They're one of the worst teams that I've seen in a while. Uh, Once again, the Pistons are worse, but still, Zach Collins is out, and I know Wemby is going to have to carry the team. Wemby had a very good game against Boston, and they still lost by 33 points. Like, There's nothing to like about the San Antonio team. Zach Collins has had a decent year. Now he's injured. 
So I they have no front court depth at all if Wemby gets into any foul trouble or if he goes to the bench. I see Keldon Johnson's a bit banged up. He might play. We'll see what happens with him. But I think I'm going to lean to Memphis. It seems like a good spot where after a very bad road trip against some talented opposition, they can bounce back against the bottom feeder at home. So I really don't see the Grizzlies, I'd say, sleepwalking through this game. I think they're going to be pretty motivated to get back on track after such a bad run over the last couple of days. But I just think the Spurs are a joke of a basketball team. That's kind of where I stand on it. If you want to take the Spurs, I wouldn't mind Wemby props or maybe just expect one player to have a good game. But I don't trust the Spurs to play winning basketball for one quarter, let alone four quarters. So I'm going to lean to Memphis to get the job done at home. Am I going to bet this spread? Probably not. I just think it's a massive spread. I'm aware of that, but I can't take San Antonio, especially on the road. This is a really bad road team. You're looking at their wins this season on the road. They had a win against Portland uh, where – Portland benched half the team. Simons didn't play, and San Antonio won the game comfortably. They're 3-13 and 13 on the road. But if you want to actually look at the, the uh, schedule that the Spurs have had this season, that Portland win on the road, which they immediately got buried by Portland in the rematch game a couple days later, that was the only road win that the Spurs have had since November 2nd. That's the only road win they have. So I'm not picking them on the road. I'm going to lean to Memphis in the spot. Yeah, this just feels like an ultimate, like, get right. I don't, get right is, like, I think, a little a term that's been overused, but... It's a get right spot. I mean, that's... Yeah, it's just like, it. I think that if you take a look what transpired for the Grizzlies, like you mentioned, over the last three games, um, on a three-game losing streak here, I think, like, this is where they kind of take their frustrations out on a team that just hasn't been very good. Uh, on the road, like you mentioned, or overall for the season, and defensively, they've just been atrocious. So I think they'll have a lot of success on the on the offensive side. Well, the Memphis Grizzlies back, obviously, with um, you know with John Morant back. But their last three games, um, they lost by thirty seven to the Denver Nuggets. They lost by eleven to the Clippers. To be fair, Jaw didn't play in that game, but yes, yeah, yeah. And then against the Grizzlies, they lost by thirty one as well. So. Um, They've had a day off here, obviously, in between uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, sorry, New Year's Day, and now back at it here against the Spurs. And I think this is an opportunity now for uh, the the uh, Grizzlies to get this game because you take a look at their schedule now. They got the Raptors uh, tomorrow night. They're on the front end of a back-to-back. Then they got the Lakers, the Suns, the Mavericks, and the Clippers again as well. So a um, couple of, obviously, four straight opponents there that they have to go up against in Western Conference opponents. So this is a game that they definitely want to get. So I'll lay it here with the uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies, minus 11.5. Total sitting at 235.5 in this game here, Scott. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think I could take an under with San Antonio because they might give up 130 by themselves. So yeah. I'm going to lean to the over in this game. Once again, it might come down to if San Antonio shows up offensively, but defensively, this team is atrocious, uh, even with Wemby putting up a bunch of blocks. Uh, going through San Antonio's points allowed, they've allowed at least 130 in four of their last five games. They've allowed at least 130 in, what is that, four, five, okay, wait, so that's four, five, six, and six of their last eight, they've allowed at least 130. I can't take an under with this team. I, I wouldn't mind Memphis team total over, but... Damn, this team can't guard anybody. I'll lean to the over. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at Memphis' team total, like you mentioned. Like, they probably would give up 130 plus here tonight. So, first if they quarter, can't first score half. this team, they might as well trade half the roster. Like, yeah. if this is the spot you need to score 130 in. Yeah. Like, this is the spot where, 
you take you like you have your success on offense and you get right after what's transpired over the past uh, couple games here. Um, and obviously with not jo- not having job for the first 25 games as well. But um, since the since last season, when these two teams have gone head to head, the Grizzlies are averaging 125 points per game against the San Antonio Spurs. They've scored at least 120 in all five matchups uh, since last season. And this is going to be the second matchup this season, obviously back on November 18th without jaw in the lineup, they scored 120 did the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. So don't be surprised if we do see the Memphis Grizzlies score 130 plus here tonight. So I think that's the way I'll attack the total in this game. Uh, Player props, Scott, what are you looking at? I don't see anything up yet, but I love Wemby blocks in this game. It's probably going to be a two and a half. That's where it's been for most of the season. Might be juiced, but I do love the blocks here for Wemby. Uh, To go through the blocks that he's had recently, I actually like it off the spot because he only had one block against Boston, but I mentioned before that Boston's allowing the fewest blocks per game. So that really doesn't matter much to me. Wemby has not played in many minutes recently. He's played less than 25 in each of the last four games he's played in, and he's not played any back-to-backs. But you're looking at his block numbers besides that Boston game, 7, 5, 3, 4, 2, 6, 5, 4. And you know which team is allowing the most blocks per game? The Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies. So I expect uh, Wemby to be patrolling the paint. I know that Memphis is kind of the opposite of some three-point specialist teams. They love to attack the rim, and Wemby's going to be sitting there. So give me Wemby blocks. I think he's in one for a big block game. I wish he was playing 30-plus minutes because I think he might actually have a shot at like six or seven again. This might be a ladder opportunity, but with the minutes he's playing, 25, give or take, maybe a little bit less, you can argue that you're threading the needle. But with how often Memphis attacks the rim, blindly, I think Wemby's going to park himself down a low and just get a bunch of, sh- of blocks. So I like Wemby blocks, probably two and a half. I don't see the lineup yet, but I will be taking it as soon as it comes out. Yeah, I was going to add Jaw in this game. Um, Jaw's going to try a- him, right? I mean, Jaw, if Jaw's the chance, he's trying to dunk on his head. So yeah. I think so, too. Um, John Moran's points props at 26 and a half in this game. Last five games, Against the Spurs, uh, John Moran is averaging 38.6 points per game against the Spurs. He's uh, Last five games, he scored 30, 41, 52, 32, and 38 um, against the uh, Spurs over his last five games head-to-head. So his points prop right now is at sitting at 26.5. I know the last two games, he hasn't uh, sniffed 20 points. He's at 17 and 19, but part of that, he had a game where he scored 31 against the Pelicans, 30 against the Atlanta Hawks. So I think this again, we talk about how bad this team is defensively, um, especially at the point guard position. I think John Moran will have a day here. Um, and again, like you mentioned, don't be surprised if he tries to, you know, jump over Victor and, and try to dunk on his head. But uh, I do like his points prop here for tonight um, for John Morant. Anything else for this game, Scott? No, that's basically it. I thought about maybe taking Bane threes if I wanted to make a pivot because San Antonio, with how. Uh, you know, Wemby just scares everyone off of taking layups. They still can't guard the three-point line. So yeah. I still think that you're looking at Bain potentially getting a good amount of opportunities to go over this three-point number. So I'd look for that. My question for you, though, is if Wemby's been playing around 24, 25 minutes, mm-hmm. but Zach Collins is injured, do you think Wemby gets a boost or do they just use Mamukashvili a bit more? They got to use your guy. I know. That's why I'm asking. But I'm wondering if they give Wemby any boost at all or if they just... Substitute Zach Collins for Mamuka Javili and Wemby stays at the same amount of minutes. 
I think the funny part is, or not funny part, but I think they already know that this season is pretty much a lost cause and that they came out and said that we're not putting Victor out there for back-to-back situations. Uh, whether Can it's you always play him more minutes, though, because he's not playing back-to-backs? Yeah, so all of a sudden, over the last four games, he's averaging around, around 24 minutes per game. So um, I think this was something when... Um, on New Year's Eve, when the when Sean and Ryan did the live stream um, for the underdog, um, Terrell and I were uh, on there putting together a entry for the NBA games, and he, he he mentioned Victor's rebounds at nine. But I mentioned that hey, he's not playing a lot of minutes right now for the San Antonio Spurs. So, in the case that this game probably turns into a blowout, which it probably will, then like. I think that's what's really holding Victor playing only 24 minutes a night because most of their games are turning into blowouts. Um, and there's no reason for him to be out there. Like last five games against the Pelicans, he played 31 minutes, but he, they lost that game by 30 plus points. He played 22 minutes in the Bulls, um, lost that game by 19. Uh, they lost against the Utah Jazz, lost by 12. They beat the Portland Trailblazers, won that by 24. Then against the Boston Celtics last game, they lost by 33. He's only out there to 24 minutes. So I think you were right that you probably want to take a look at the blocks for him. Um, but outside of like the rebounds where he's obviously crushing it like two weeks ago, I think that has now I think that 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 ship has now sailed for us. So yeah, but you, I mean, I, I tweeted this out. It's like he's 19 years old. I understand you're protecting him and you he's your long-term like future of your franchise like tim duncan-esque but come on man like your games half of your games are on national tv like he needs to be out there the people want to watch him play that's also just about the fact that as you said before if he's going to be sitting back to backs you already have some precautions in place yeah why would you be limiting his minutes and not playing him outright in some of your back to backs at least pick one or the other but i also think even though he's 19 you want the guy to grow through yeah reps like you you kind of want to figure it out as he goes and now that they actually been using trey jones a bit more they actually have mm-hmm. a bit of a point guard yeah Wemby was having a very good game against boston the issue is they stopped using him in the fourth quarter because they were down what felt like 90 points but Wemby's been playing fine he just doesn't play enough at least per game yeah ever since that nudes also came out about him uh sitting back to backs uh chet holmgren has now shot up to minus 250 to win rookie of the year so and again it just comes out of that Wemby might not play enough games and the Thunder uh, are good. Qualify. Yeah, exactly. So, Anything else? No, not really. Uh, once again, I'm going to lean Memphis in the over. I like the over more, but I think it is a good get-right spot for the Grizzlies. Yep. All right, let's get over to the next game on the schedule here. We'll go with the Brooklyn Nets. They are visiting the New Orleans Pelicans on the road here. Pelicans are a six-point home favorite with a total of 228.5. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, start here with the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Nets are pretty clean injury report. Uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth is out, and Dorian Finney-Smith is probable here for tonight. For the Pelicans, uh, pretty clean injury report as well. Only questionable tag is going to be Trey Murphy the third for the Pelicans. Uh, Scott, let's start with the side here. Minus six in favor of the Pelicans at home hosting your Brooklyn Nets. So the Nets have actually been pretty good against the Pelicans in recent years. They've won eight of the last nine meetings, which might surprise some people. But I'm going to lean to New Orleans in this spot. As a fan of the team, I've been watching this team play for the last couple weeks in particular, and they've been really bad. Now, I was at one of the games they were competitive for. I saw them lose to the Nuggets in a very close game. Then they were able to beat Detroit. So 
thanks to them, they were able to help the Pistons extend that record streak. But it's been ugly since. They played Milwaukee, got buried. That was the infamous game where they benched all the starters at halftime. Uh, I know gambling Twitter at a field day, roasting my team. Uh, they played <laughs> the Wizards after that. They lost to the Wizards, which is not ideal for anybody. And they got killed by Oklahoma City in their last game. Now, New Orleans is a team that's fresh off a, off a blowout win against the Lakers. But watching the Nets play, it's been pretty ugly basketball. They've actually lost eight of their last ten. And I don't think this team's very good. Now, I was aware going into the year, this team offensively is going to be a bit challenged. They're going to play hard but they're just not very talented. So I do think New Orleans, especially on the interior, can get a lot of quality opportunities to score baskets. Claxton's a bit undersized, at least based on weight. He's had a pretty underwhelming year. I actually like Sharp. I think Sharp's actually been pretty good for this team, but they just don't have enough paint defense, in my opinion. And I do think that with the amount of slashers and size, both in terms of length and uh, weight, I do think that you're looking at the Pelicans getting a lot of chances near the rim. It's in New Orleans as well. We know New Orleans is a fade on the road, but they're very good at home. I'm going to lean to New Orleans here. I just think based on how Brooklyn's played over the last couple of weeks, I really don't trust them at all to remain competitive. We know what the upside is for New Orleans. The issue is they constantly underachieve. But I do think that New Orleans is built to kind of pick on this front court defense that the Nets claim to have. I'm going to lean to New Orleans here. I just think it's a bad matchup for the Nets. Yeah, I mean you're right. This Pelican, uh, sorry, this um, Nets team has been mildly struggling uh, over the past, I mean, several games. Uh, you take a look on the road; their last six road games, one, two, three, yeah, last six road games, they're one and five straight up and zero oh and six against the spread. And I think it's just an um, <clears throat> a issue for them offensively because they just haven't been able to put up the points. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Against opposing teams, again, you take a look against the Warriors. Yeah, they got 120, but lost that game outright. Um, and then the, the Pistons, they put up 118, but who wasn't? Who's not putting up the points against them? Against the Pistons, other than Toronto Raptors. But last two games against the Wizards, a team that we knew that was going to struggle defensively, they only put up 104 points in that game. They only scored 108 against the Thunder. Um, and the Pelicans seem like we talked about that like they're finally healthy, right? I know they got their horses back, especially on the defensive side of the basketball. So I think that they can give fits to the uh, Brooklyn Nets off uh, offensively. So I think this is a good opportunity here for the Pelicans to continue rolling at home. Um, take a look at the Pelicans uh, at home this season. They are, let's see here, 11 and seven straight up, 11 and seven against the spread. They have won uh, two straight games at home. They beat the Lakers and they've had, you know, a day off here. So I think that uh, this is a good spot here for the Pelicans. Uh, I'll take the Pelicans minus six here as well. Total is sitting at 228 and a half here, Scott. Any thoughts on the total? I think I'm going to lean under in this game. I don't feel great either way, but the Nets offensively have scored less than 109 each of the last two games. Yeah. If you only score 104 against the Wizards, I consider that a red flag. Yeah. I'm going to lean to the under in this one. I think that the Nets offensively are going to have issues. New Orleans is a very good team at Garden three-point line, and I do think the Nets are going to struggle to actually generate a lot in this game. And when it comes to pace, the Nets don't play that fast. New Orleans can, but they don't really do that either. I'll lean under. I think this total feels a bit high. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, like uh, the Nets are just struggling offensively. They are the, let's see here, offensive rating over the last five games. It might be bottom 10. It wouldn't shock me. 
if it was around. I mean, they are at number 16, but let me filter this down to mine, uh, the last three games. I think that's where it'll. I mean, the Bucks really game's going to be a massive outlaw. I mean, yeah, the last five, you have two games against the Pistons. So, yeah, probably, yeah. So, last three games, they dropped to number um, 21, but defensively, okay. they've been struggling as well. Um, they are the second worst defensive rated team over the last three games. And then over the last five games, that's the usual mark I like to use when we have some data after 20 plus games, Brooklyn, the fourth worst rate, uh, fourth worst defensive rated team. So, um, I, yeah, I think like uh, total you prefer. Yeah, probably Nets team total under, or probably the Pelicans team total over is what I would probably look at, uh, in this spot. Um, Probably a Pelicans team total over. I don't have, like you mentioned, they have, they've only scored what, less than 109 points in the last two games. And then 104 against the Wizards team that has struggled defensively this season. I think that that's a cause of concern here. Um, player prop, Scott, what are you looking at? I think I got to start off with one guy who I can't stand on my team, Dimwitty. Can we get him out of town already? I'll drive him <laughs> to the airport. I can't stand this damn guy. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer, it's kind of a conspiracy theory, that the only people that think that uh, Dimwitty is still good at basketball have not watched him since his Dallas run, where they made the Western Conference Finals. He's terrible. Yep. He's just yep. he, I just can't stand the guy. I think he's a bad basketball player. But I do think, looking at his recent performances, there's no reason to like his over in this game. First of all, New Orleans has a lot of size in the interior, which might deter some actual drive to the basket, but Dimwitty scored less than 15 points in five of his last six games. He's been so damn bad. Like, I, I, I can't even articulate how inefficient he's been. And he's playing a lot of minutes, but it's a miserable experience. I'll link to the under on Dimwitty. I just think that based on his current form, I have to automatically assume he's going to struggle in this matchup in particular. I think Zion's in line for a good game, but that involves trusting Zion, which is always a dangerous proposition. Uh, But I do think if you want to look for some potential uh, props, I do think Valanchunas' rebounds is interesting because the Nets have really struggled with, uh, I'd say, extremely strong centers. And we know that Valanchunas is one of the stronger guys in the entire league. But with Claxton being an athletic but undersized center and with Sharp being in foul trouble all the time, Sharp probably comes in for the bench unit where Valanchunas is already on the bench. So I just think Valanchunas is going to dominate on the inside against Claxton. And I do think looking at the rebounds at nine and a half, I like the over. I mean, he's been good in the head-to-head as well against the Nets rebounding-wise. Uh, to go through the head-to-head mm-hmm. meetings, he's gone over this number in three of the last four. I think that Valanchunas' rebounds is probably worth a look. I like it. I think that he's in a good spot. Yeah, I don't hate that. Uh, Valanchunas has always been good to me, especially when I've backed his rebounds. Um, the only part that makes me nervous sometimes is when I do back Valanchunas' rebounds and spot that I have lost is that Zion out of nowhere has a great rebounding night. He kind of takes it away from uh, Valanchunas on the board. So, um, But I think, like you mentioned, this matchup going up head-to-head where the Nets are giving up uh, an average of, let's see here, what I have, 13.6 rebounds per game to that center position. Um, I think there's an opportunity that, you know, Valanchunas can uh, dominate on the boards here. So I don't hate that. Um, I was looking at Spencer Tinwitty's numbers while you were talking about him, and he's shooting 31% from the floor over the last five games. Yeah. Uh, Last three games, he shot 30.8%, 31.3%, and then 18.2% against the Detroit Pistons. So, and there's some games he doesn't even choose to shoot. So you can get there a couple of ways. I was at the game against the Nuggets, and mm-hmm. it was Dimwitty T-shirt night, and he oh, scored God. six points. 
And I believe he had like three shot attempts in the first three quarters of the game. Like some games, he just looks totally disinterested. And he's kind of playing. I don't want to compare it to like a Vince Carter situation in Toronto where he was actively playing terribly to try to get traded as a form of yeah. protest. It looks like he's disinterested in pretty much every game he plays in. So I don't know if it's a statement or if he's just bored. But it looks like Dinwiddie's not even engaged half the time he's on the court. Lewis is asking Spencer Dinwiddie or Jordan Poole. Yeah, I'll take as of right now Dinwiddie because the contract is a lot easier on the eyes than Poole. Poole might have the worst contract in the league besides maybe Ben Simmons. So I think I'm going to lean to Dinwiddie, but damn, both those guys are bad. I mean, Dinwiddie's had some moments like maybe a month or two ago, but he's actually playing a guy that is already thinking of his next des- destination, who's kind of mailed it in. That's what yeah. he looks like on the court. So I want nothing to do with overs for Dimwitty in the immediate future. Yeah. All right. Let's get over to the next game on the board. Two games left on the schedule. We've got the Orlando Magic. They are headed to the Bay Area to take on the Golden State Warriors. Warriors are sitting us at three-point favorite in this game with a total of 230. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams, you'll start here with the road team, the Orlando Magic. Uh, they will be without Joe Ingles and Jonathan Isaac, and Markel Fultz is questionable for this game. For the Golden State Warriors, pretty healthy squad. Obviously, the one player that is going to be out is Draymond Green. Um, worth noting here, I did see a note come across that the uh, the Warriors are going to be featuring a new starting lineup, or this will be the new starting lineup for the Warriors for the foreseeable future. So let me see if I can go back and find that here. Um, let me see. All right, so it's going to be Steph Curry... Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, Jonathan Kaminga, and Trace Jackson Davis. So that's a new starting lineup there for the Golden State Warriors. But Warriors three point favorite here at home against the Magic. Here's Scott. What are you thinking? I think I'm gonna. Uh, it's it's a really tricky game because Golden State usually at home is really good, except this year they've, they've been really bad at home. So it's kind of a weird topsy turvy year for Golden State. The Magic, though, we know are very good at home on the road. They are more vulnerable. Uh, they've been pretty decent lately for the most part. Uh, I mean, they've lost to Phoenix. No real shame in that. Lost to the 76ers. That was pretty embarrassing uh, because Embiid didn't play and they got buried. But they've been pretty good recently. Uh, Golden State lost three straight against three playoff teams. Played Denver, played Miami, played Dallas. They lost all three of those games by a decent margin. The Nuggets game was close on Christmas, but the last two games were pretty ugly. I think for this one, I am going to lean to Golden State. I don't feel great about it, but I just think they find a way. I think that Orlando's a team that, even though they are a solid unit, they really don't shoot the three ball very well. And we know Golden State does love to jack up a lot of threes. They might be trading threes for twos the entire game, and that's kind of a Mm -hmm. surefire way to lose in Golden State. I'm going to lean to Golden State in this game. If the Magic win, would I be shocked? No. I don't think Golden State's that good. But I do think for the sake of this game, if Clay doesn't chuck up a bunch of bricks, big if, but if he doesn't, then I think Golden State wins the game. Clay's been terrible the last couple of games, and I'm underselling. He's been really bad. If you want to pull up the stats on Clay for the last couple of games, you can. But it is just it, it'll burn your eyes. He's been that bad. Yeah. I'm gonna lean to Golden State uh at home. I, I think that at this spot, it can go either way. I'm not gonna bet this. Three feels a little bit cheap to me. I'm going to lean to Golden State to get back on track at home. Yeah, they've lost three straight games, have the uh, Golden State Warriors here. And Clay Thompson uh, is one of 11 against the Mavericks, four of 11 for the Miami Heat, and three of 12 
against the Denver Nuggets. There was a stretch there where, you know, he was being efficient. That week and a half, say. though, Warriors fans are going to hold on to that week and a half for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's been pretty bad for uh, Clay Thompson. But He needs the Rockets on the schedule for him to snap out of it, you know? That's exactly. Or we just need a trade for him and then just kind of let him, you know, just cook at Toyota Center. Uh, maybe that kind of cures for uh, that. Maybe that's a cure for Clay Thompson. Um, yeah, I, I think this number is a little bit cheap here. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how this new lineup is going to look for the Golden State Warriors, because now Steve Kerr's hand is forced to play the younger guys. And now you have two young guys that are going to be in the starting lineup with Jonathan Kaminga and Trace Jackson Davis. Um so I like Jackson Davis. I really do. Yeah, we'll talk about player props here in a second. Uh, I think that you know there's some value now before this number starts getting inflated for uh, for him. But yeah, quick and simple. I'll, I'll give you Warriors minus three. And you mentioned that they've struggled at home this season, where traditionally they've been really good. It's been like the complete opposite for this Warriors team, where last season they were just so bad on the road, and now it's flipped here for them being terrible at, at home. And they've been one of the better home teams uh, when quote unquote you know they had their dynasty going. So. Um, hopefully they turn if you're a Wards fan, hopefully they turn around with this new starting lineup here that they do have. But um uh total Scott, I'm sorry, uh two thirty. I think for this game, just looking I think I'm gonna link to the under. Even though I do think that Orlando isn't wanting to lose this game, they're still a good defensive team. I'm not gonna totally dismiss that. Orlando offensively, I think is good. Not great. I think that's where they kind of need to make a trade. They might win the division anyway, but it does yep. feel like besides Wagner and Boncaro, they don't really have anybody else that I think is worth much offensively. Maybe you can point to somebody that I'm forgetting about, but I don't really see much on this team when it comes to offensive depth. So I think Orlando kind of needs to win these physical, ugly, grinded-out games more often than not, and that kind of trends to an under. I think Golden State's going to win the game. But I do think that Orlando's lack of pace and their overall defensive physicality can make it difficult for the Warriors at times. So I'm going to lean to the under. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to lean under. I just have a hard time taking two thirties with the Magic when they're not playing the Wizards. I think now, like the Warriors, um, like this was a team that when they were, I guess, quote unquote, their prime. You know, when they had Draymond out there, that this was a team that automatically was going out there and putting up 120 plus points. Where now I think the focus for them probably now has to shift to the defensive side, just because again, you're very limited on the offensive side, are the Golden State Warriors, right? We talked about the struggles of Clay Thompson. CP3 is probably good for 25 to 30 minutes before he pulls in hamstring here sooner rather than later. And you're hoping that you get something out of the bench from from the guys, whether it's Moses Moody, whether it's Trace Jackson Davis, wherever the case might be. So um, I'll lead towards the under in this game as well. Feels like a 115 to like 110, something in that neighborhood where this just does get under the total here. Uh, so lean with the under here as well. Player props in this game, Scott, what are you looking at? Uh, so I do think if I'm going to start with the Warriors winning, I feel like we have to have a conversation about Steph. Because Steph has been slumping. And once again, it might be underselling it because he's been pretty bad too uh, over the last couple of games. Any cause for concern there? Or do you just think as a high-volume shooter, you're going to have some ups and downs? I think it's, yeah, being a high-volume shooter, you're going to have your ups and downs, especially the type of shooter that you know Steph is. Um, is it also the fact that maybe Draymond, Draymond's not out there? That because they've, those two have developed that chemistry of how to play with each other. 
and how Draymond can find Steph in those open spots, I think that might be a little bit of a contribution to it as well. But if you're Steph Curry right now, I mean, what's what's your mentality right now for this team? Like, I, we've seen him be clearly frustrated at times as well because they've been just so used to winning basketball games. But if you're Steph Curry, what's kind of going through your mind right now? Uh, right now, uh, I wish I had Durant. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's what's going through his mind right now. Uh, it, it's been a mess. Then again, this is what happens when you have a dynasty. And I know that there's kind of an argument between being loyal to your guys and doing what's best for the franchise. And people will criticize some franchises for being two-faced towards athletes because as soon as they get older, they move on from them immediately and they pretend that the, you know, they just pretend that the past couple of years meant nothing and they will immediately ship off a guy if they feel like they need to. On the other hand, you have the Warriors who will swear by Clay Thompson even though they should have traded him about two, three years ago or let him walk, and now you're in cap hell. So this is what happens when you are too loyal to your guys. And some people might argue it's a good thing. You know, you'd rather lose with your guys than potentially losing without your guys. But at some point, you have to at least acknowledge or read the room that the good years are behind you, and you got to at least try to progress for the future. And that's kind of my stance on Steph and with the Warriors. Steph's still very good. For the most part, I know he's had a bad stretch, but he's still a player you have to keep. Yeah. But Draymond and Clay and a lot of these guys, they probably should have moved on from about a year or two ago. I think after yeah. Draymond punched Jordan Poole, you could have argued that they should have potentially considered moving on. They did win a title, but after last year was a season from hell, I thought they should have considered moving on from Draymond during the offseason. I'm shocked they brought Clay back uh, after that Lakers series in the playoffs. I feel like that was a good spot to unload him. But you get my point. My point is I do think you're looking at a spot where the Golden State is so built on keeping the core intact that the core has already just started to rot. And now the entire organism itself might be completely infected. They kind of really do need to reinvent the entire like supporting cast and they just refuse to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think it was really telling when Bob Myers decided to leave this organization as well to take a job yeah. with TNT. Um, so yeah, I think that was kind of telling for me. As that means well. it can't be a GM um, thing. I mean, if you want to read into that, that kind of means Myers wanted to move on for some of these guys and ownership might have yeah. told them, no, like we're sticking with our guys who got us these titles. And Myers said, yeah. if you're not going to let me do my job, I'm out of here. That's kind of how yeah. I read into it. I could be making that up, you know, just based on connecting some dots together. But I do think that you're looking at a spot where Clay and Draymond just aren't it anymore. And the fact that Golden yeah. State is still clinging to the past, hoping to rebuild the pe- the players, is not going to happen. Like, this is who they are. And Clay is a liability at this point. Draymond's mm-hmm. a massive liability because of the sideshow that's associated with him. But I just think that Curry, you kind of have to keep because he's still very good. But they really need some help, and a lot of the supporting cast can't help them. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Steph Curry for player props. I mean, we talked about Trace Jackson Davis being in that starting lineup now. His points prop is sitting at um, 10, I think it was 11 and a half, I'm sorry, uh, in this game. I do like that over uh, for him. Um, he's been really good for this team, uh, not only coming off the bench, but now being in that starting lineup, I think he'll embrace that opportunity. Uh, for this team, if you kind of just take a look at his numbers over the past couple games here, 
Played 29 minutes against the Dallas Mavericks, 8 of 11 from the floor. Had 17 points in that game against Miami Heat, 10 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, so if you want to look at maybe points and rebounds to go over here tonight, I don't hate that. I think that um, he's been doing a great job finishing around the basket, uh, rebounding the basketball as well. Um, again, he's going to be getting the minutes as well. So his points and rebounds for tonight is at, let's see, 18 and a half. I do like that. CB3 being in the starting lineup means probably obviously play his assist as well. That Orlando is him. the best team, though, preventing assists. So you can argue that yeah. CB3's numbers might be a bit inflated. Yeah, it's at 8.5 at minus 145. I don't I don't like the juice on that at minus 145. Um, but, yeah, I think Trace Jackson Davis is, a, is, a, is the, the guy for me in this game, at least from player props. Anybody else for this game? I just want to quickly see what Jackson Davis double-double is because that's been a very nice kind of gold mine. Because if he cashes once in like six games, you make money anyway (laughs) because every single price is massive. It is cheaper, though, since he's starting. It's at plus 420. I preferred it when it was back at like 18 to (laughs) 1. But I I think he's in line for a decent rebounding game in this one. But yeah, at 420, I don't really trust it enough. That line's kind of been nuked, so I'm going to pass. Yeah, maybe if you build it, you probably get a, a better price, like a same-game parlay. Maybe you get a yeah. better price that way. Uh, sometimes it works out better that way as well. If so, it was somehow 6-1, um, to one, I'd consider it. But the issue is it doesn't really shoot that much. So yeah. it's a problem to even reach the 10 point. Yeah. All right, uh, last game on the board here, Scott. Let's go over to uh, the Charlotte Hornets. They are in Sacramento tonight. And I have to recheck this line because yeah, we're saving it the is best 16 for points. Got the Hornets. Yeah, the final game. <laughs> uh, sixteen point favorites here for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, the the total is two thirty two and a half. Charlotte did play last night, so no injury report submitted for them yet. But let's see if I can dig something up for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, their injury report is going to be where are the Sacramento Kings? Not yet. One submitted? Question mark. Uh, but I think everybody is a go for this game. I think they are on a front end of a back to back as well are the Sacramento Kings here, but 16 points right now here for this um, Hornets team who are on a back-to-back here are the Hornets. They played in Denver last night, but uh, Scott, minus 16, let's start with the side. Well, this is the fun part of the NBA season. There's so many bad teams in the league that after a record-breaking losing streak, we got another team that's already at 11, so we're going to see if Charlotte can close the distance, but the Charlotte team's just a disgrace. It's not their fault because Lomelo got injured and the supporting cast isn't very good. They've gotten curb stomped in their last three games. Uh, played uh, Denver, lost that game by a ton. That game was actually tied at the half, and they lost yeah. by 18. Uh, played Phoenix, lost by 14. Rozier had, I think it was 40, and they still lost by 14. Uh, they played the Lakers, lost by 21. That game was also like a one-point game in the first half, and then they got killed in the second half. They've been horrible. Now, the Kings have been good, uh, beat the Grizzlies by 31 on the road last game. If you like Charlotte, consider the first half. I'm not going to take Charlotte because this team is as bad as advertised. I really do think the Kings win this game by like 25. So I, I can't really take the points with Charlotte. If you're going to, then I recommend first half. Because Charlotte has been somewhat competitive early in these games, and they fall off a cliff after halftime. So that might yeah. be the move. Maybe you wait until the line gets closer to like 12 or 13 live, and then maybe you jump in. But I just see the Kings burying this team. The Hornets are a laughing stock. The Kings are still a very good offensive team. I still have questions come playoff time, but right now against the bottom feeder, they're good enough to drop 130 on this team, maybe more than that. 
I'm going to lean to the Kings. I just think Sabonis is a monster game. Fox probably has a good game. Nobody on the Hornets can guard anybody. Rozier might not even play. And if that's the case, they might lose by 50. So I'm going to lean to the Kings in the spot. I think they win this game comfortably. Yeah, this is the fifth game on a back-to-back situation for the Charlotte Hornets. They're 0-4 straight up. They are 2-2 against the spread, 3-1 to the over, but they're giving up 128.5 points per game um, on that second leg of a back-to-back. They gave up 133 to the Phoenix Suns. Last thing was last Friday, gave up 135 to the 76ers. When that that was a game they lost by 53, 122 to the Knicks, and then 124 to the uh, Dallas Mavericks. So, um, you know, with obviously this Kings team that likes to play at a fast pace with De'Aaron Fox in there, like you mentioned, I think this is going to be probably easy pickings uh, for this Sacramento Kings team. So, um, like Scott mentioned, if you do like the King, sorry, if you do like the Hornets, probably first half, but this team has just been so bad in the second half of game. So I would take a look at um, uh, the Kings team total in this game to go over. I'm trying to find that number, but do you have any thoughts on the total here? It's at 123 and a half. That seems really low. For I mean, Kings I like here. the over on that. I, I think yeah. the Kings score 130. Uh, I think that yeah. based on this game, I'm going to lean over because I think Sacramento carries. Uh, this game over the total, but Charlotte, once again, if they are missing Rozier, they might not be able to score at all in this game. So I just think Kings team total, maybe first half team total, a couple ways to go about it, but I don't see much hope for Charlotte in this game. Yeah. Uh, player props or anything? Yeah, I think Sabonis triple-double is going to be live in this game. Uh, he's had one in three of the last five games. It's plus 360, uh, which I do like in the spot, but at the end of the day, it really just comes down to how bad Charlotte is defensively. They're allowing over 121 points per game. They've been even worse lately. Sabonis is off of a monster triple-double against the Grizzlies. I think he can run that back. So give me Sabonis triple-double at like plus 350, plus 360. Yeah. My question for you is if Rozier doesn't play, are you pivoting to like McGowan's? Mm-hmm. Like what would be your strategy there? Or are you just invo- avoid Charlotte entirely because this team is atrocious? Miles Bridges points, maybe, because someone needs to shoot. I'm not sure Rozier is going to play. He's been very good lately, but the team sucks anyway, so why would you even bother? I'm just wondering what the actual game plan for Charlotte's going to be if uh, Rozier doesn't play. Do you get Brandon Miller 20 shots? Like, what, what do you do? Excuse me. I think it is It's probably Miles uh, Bridges to get the bulk of the uh, the shots, right? Yeah, um, probably. I'm trying to see what happened last night and who got the most of the shot attempts last night. Um, let's see here. So Miles Bridges last night had 26. He had 14 shot attempts. Brandon Miller had 17 shot attempts and then 12 for Ish Smith, 12 for Nick Richards. So it's probably going to Ish be, Smith I think obviously, shots, by the way, it's hilarious. Yeah. No, I think Ish a lot Smith, of those probably came funny. in garbage time maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's probably Miles Bridges. Again, they don't have props up for, pretty much anybody on the on the Hornets side of the basketball. Uh, but uh, I think Fahrenheit 451 pointed out the rebounding prop tonight for um, Sabonis. The only concern I do have, and again, he's a guy that can get this done in, in three quarters, but his uh, rebounding prop is at 13 and a half. Um, last three games head-to-head against the uh, Hornets, he's had 
23, 18, and 15, I think, were the numbers. Uh, let me find the exact uh, numbers here. Yeah, 18, 16, and 23 uh, over the last three games head-to-head against the Hornets in the rebounding department for Sabonis. So probably look at uh, Sabonis' rebounds to go over 13 and a half in this game. Um than that, again, if this is another game where the Kings are blowing them out in that fourth quarter by 30-plus points, the starters are pretty much not going to be out there. So, um yeah, that's the only player prop I did like in this game. You have anything else? No, not really. Once again, Charlotte's a bit tricky because if Rozier doesn't play, then you could pick anybody that might be game-proof. Uh, so I do think that might be a sneaky angle, but I just think Sabonis kills this team. I think that Fox is in line for a good game as well, but garbage time makes it interesting because you don't know when garbage time is going to start with this team because they yeah. might be up by 30 in the third quarter. Yeah. All right. Uh, that is the last game on the schedule for the Tuesday card. Uh, Scott, let's do our lock and dog, and then we will get into our underdog fantasy entry here for tonight. What do you got for your lock and dog? So for my lock, I don't really have a line on it at the moment, but I do know what the line's probably going to be. I really want to go back to Wemby blocks at two and a half. I just think that line's going to be too low. Once again, I'm going to have to wait for it to get posted, but it has been a two and a half. I don't see that changing. Uh, but the Grizzlies are allowing the most blocks per game in the entire league. Wemby, besides the last game against the Celtics, has gone over the number quite regularly. And he does, once again, just have such a big impact uh, near the rim defensively. He's averaging over three blocks per game. So I don't know if you're going to allow me to take the two and a half blocks because technically I don't see it posted. But I see it posted on DraftKings, two and a half even money. Even money? Hell yeah, I'm taking yeah. that. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a great deal. I'll take the over two and a half blocks for Wemby as my lock. And for my dog, give me Sabonis triple-double at plus 360. I just think based on how this matchup is against Charlotte, Sabonis is in line for another big game. You mentioned the rebounds. He, I'm not worried about the rebounds at all. I'm not, yeah. re- I'm not worried about the points at all either. The assist, I think, has a shot to potentially screw me, but at around plus 360, He's had in three of the last five games. That's good enough for me. I'll take Sabonis triple double at plus three sixty. All right. Um. All right. For my lock, I will go with the like both team totals here for either the Grizzlies or the Kings. But I think that Grizzlies number is really. Uh, sorry for the Kings is really low at one twenty three and a half. Let me double check this number because the math is not adding up. I see 123 and a half right now on DraftKings uh, for their team total points. So I'll take the over on that. Give me the Kings team total over 123 and a half. Um, let me mention this. Charlotte has been struggling not only just defensively overall, but in back-to-back situations this season, they're allowing 128 and a half points per game. Um, they've given up 124 in three out, of the, three out of the four games on back-to-back situations. And we know how good the Sacramento Kings team is at home, uh, but also against bad defenses. So take the Kings team total over 123 and a half. For my dog, um, give me the Oklahoma City Thunder plus the four on the spread. And then obviously on the money line, plus 145 is right now what I see. Uh, I think this is a good uh, matchup for them. And we'll see how good this team um, matches up against some of the better teams in the league here, right? And we talked about how great the Oklahoma City Thunder have been at home this season. Um, 13 and 5 against the spread, 13 and 5 straight up. So if they're winning the game, if they're covering the spread, they're winning the game outright as well. So um, I'll take the Thunder on the money line here, plus, uh, plus 145 as my dog of the day. 
Uh, Scott, let's do our underdog fantasy entry here for tonight. Um, again, if you don't have an account already, make sure you go to underdogfantasy.com. Use our promo code SGPN on your first deposit. You'll get a bonus of up to $100. And you guys can play alongside with us and also uh, put together your own entries as well for your favorite fantasy projections. Uh, Scott, where do you want to start here? Uh, well, going back to the first game we talked about, I kind of did more of a deep dive on the Kobe White points. I think the mm-hmm. lower than is a very good is a very good play. I heard rumors he might be injured, but going through the last couple of games, he's been really, really inefficient. Uh, I don't mind the okay. lower than for uh, Kobe White. I believe it's at twenty two and a half. Yeah, I see twenty two and a half for him, so we'll go lower on that. Uh, let me see if they have Wimby. Uh, no Wimby yet. Do they have Sabonis RA? Sabonis. Let's see. I'm pretty sure they do. So they have 20 and a half. RA? Yeah. They might get 20 rebounds. Yeah, okay, yeah. sure. <clears throat> All right. 20 and a half rebounds and assists for Sabonis. We'll go higher on that. Um, Where else do we want to go? Do they? Have, I mean, I like Wimby blocks again, but I don't know if you want to do something different. Yeah, they don't have Wimby posted yet um, for on underdog yet. Uh, maybe it'll drop soon. Um, trying to think of what ooh. else. I, I don't want Dimwitty because I don't want to take two lower thans. That's kind of risky. Derek White, um, maybe. Like I'm trying to think of what else you want to do here. Yeah, I think because we both like the over that game. I don't hate Derek White points higher or Shea's 32 and a half. I, th- I think I'm going to go with Derek White on that one. Derek I have White. more All faith right. in Boston's defense than Oklahoma City's. All right. So we'll throw that in there. We'll do that. All right. Kobe White, uh, lower 22.5 points. We'll go Sabonis, a higher 20.5 rebounds and assists combined. And then we'll go Derek White, 16.5 points higher uh, for the game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. That $100 entry will get you a nice return of um, 600 bucks Again, Make sure you go to underdogfantasy.com. Uh, uh, use that promo code SGPN on your first deposit. You'll get a bonus of up uh, of up to $100, courtesy of Underdog Fantasy. All right, that is going to do it for this Tuesday episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Scott, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, shout out to the electric company outside that was working but did not sabotage my entire internet connection during the show. So shout out to them. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to being back tomorrow. Yep, uh, back to regular schedule as usual for the new year. It'll be Scott and Terrell, and then um, Scott will be with me on Thursdays now um, for the NBA pod. McKee uh, had to, quote-unquote, move on, or he got he a got a job, job or something. <clears throat> I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. Who, who the hell works these days Whatever. anyway? So um, he'll be here every now and then, but Scott will be joining me regularly on Thursdays for the uh, Thursday's episode going forward. All right, guys, good luck with your bets here tonight. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Basketball, give it, give it, give me the ball because I'm going to